Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Welcome to Trinity. I'm really glad you're here with us today. My name is Matthew, and I'm the parish pastor here at Trinity, and it's a, it's a gift to be together today. I'm going to read, uh, to begin our sermon off, a passage from Acts chapter 2, uh, just a few verses from Acts 2, 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles and all who believed were together and they had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home. They ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray uh, together. Lord, we thank you that uh, we're reminded as we begin uh, today, we were reminded that you have always done supernatural things through the very normal and natural things that your people do. And just the, the steady rhythms of faithful um, obedience and life in the kingdom become fertile soil out of which grows your kingdom on the earth. God, we pray that we would cast a vision or receive that from your spirit today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, amen. So this is our last week of VHS, and um, thank you for those of you especially who have gone along on this journey with us uh, for the last seven, eight weeks and have done it in groups. It's been a real gift. It's been a huge gift to me and, and Rebecca, my wife, as we have done it with a group of, uh, of friends. And um, I hope that I've heard from many of you actually that it's been a really significant, surprisingly significant, emotionally deep, sometimes emotionally difficult thing to work through. Uh, and yet here we are at the end. We're pivoting today uh, in a sense into what is next, what is going to be the, the fall for us at Trinity. And um, it's a perfect really dovetail with how we're ending today. For the last four months, um, a lot of us, probably most of us who are watching this, have waited. We've waited for uh, businesses to reopen, for restaurants to reopen their dining room, for our gyms to reopen. We've waited for schools to reopen. We've waited for um, uh, stimulus checks to arrive and unemployment benefits. We've waited for temporary furloughs to end. We've waited for businesses to turn on their lights again so that we could go back to our offices. And in the time we filled the space of waiting with things, um, we've learned to do new things. I learned how to make sourdough during this season. Some people have purchased pets during this uh, season. We've learned how to go on walks and, and all of this has been good. But at the, at the heart of it, underneath it all has been this idea that what we're trying to do in this season is survive. That what we're really after here is just endurance, that this is an endurance race of sorts. And so we're just going to do whatever it takes uh, to survive it. Early on, a number of us tried to do church. A lot of us were watching the services at first. People like, I, I even had a rhythm with my family. We would sit down, we'd watch church together. That didn't last very long. It didn't last past Easter, I don't think, when it just started to feel hard and awkward. We're tired of sitting in rooms uh, singing with a couple of people, if at all. We're tired of looking at screens. We're tired of Zoom. We hate Zoom. I don't know anyone who doesn't hate Zoom right now, and yet is also just deeply grateful for it, for it, what it actually does offer us. And, and, and all the while, 
We're just trying to, I just feel like the word for the last four months is survive. And there's no vision in survival. There's nothing, there's nothing inspiring survival except the idea that on the other side of this, I can go back um, to normal. And along the way, the discomfort that you and I have been experiencing has given all sorts of allowances for us to indulge in new ways, to sleep more, to, um, to, to maybe eat more. A number of us have sort of put on the freshman 15 in the first COVID four months. And, and, and this is, you know, in some ways, like this is, this is okay. You know, like a lot of us did need to slow down. Many of us were moving too fast. The decluttering in our life has been a good thing for many of us. Uh, and yet at the same time, the spirit of it has been survival. This week, we're looking at this idea of what is called a rule of life. Pete Scazzera didn't come up with the term. It's an old Christian term. It goes way back. Um, as we see in the passage of Acts that I read just very briefly, the earliest Christians from the earliest days had rhythms that they lived in. They broke bread together. They ate together. They went to temple together. They worshiped. They prayed. They, get, they listened to the apostles' teaching. From the very beginning, they had structures and rhythms that they were following, and these things gave, um, this thing gave like a, a, a structure to their life in which they grew. And as they grew personally in these structures, the church grew. It expanded. Its reach grew. Uh, it was on mission as it lived in these rhythms. Now, if you've been at Trinity for any length of time, you've heard us most likely talk about a rule of life. And just because you've heard us talk about it doesn't mean that you're doing it. Most of, most of all, because we're afraid of the word itself. A rule of life sounds like a law, a law that I'm somehow submitting myself to. And unless you happen to be a deeply internally motivated, self-controlled and self-willed empowered person, which I am not, um, the idea of a rule of life is not a blessing to you. It sounds like pressure. It sounds like one more way you're probably not going to live up to what you've set out to do. And so a number of us may be aware of this idea of what a rule of life is, but we haven't really done it. But the word for rule does not mean law. It doesn't mean like a governing law. What it actually comes from is the Latin word for trellis. So if you think about what a trellis is, a trellis is a structure. It's a, I mean, usually like a wooden structure on which a vine can grow and bear fruit. Because the vine is able to climb on the trellis, it is able to function as it's meant to function. It's able to be fruitful. A vine without a trellis is a very sad thing. It is a fruitless vine or whatever fruit it is able to grow, that fruit becomes damaged, destroyed, trampled, and diseased. One of the things that happened in March is that we had all of our trellises taken away. The structures that we had built our life on, the corporate rhythms that we had come to depend on and lean on, especially when it comes to a life with God, the corporate gathering of church, the neighborhood groups where we'd sit in someone's living room and sip coffee and talk about the sermon. These things got taken away, community meals and classes, just the, just the idea of like consistent, predictable rhythms. And they were suddenly removed from our life. And a lot of us felt, uh, found ourselves suddenly like vines just flopped on the ground with nothing holding us up, no way to grow, no idea how to continue to be fruitful in this season. And like many of you, I have deeply missed my old trellis. I miss the rhythms we used to live in. I miss the corporate worship. I miss sitting in that room over there and looking across the room and seeing you with your eyes closed and being inspired by the sound of your voices and watching you walk towards me for communion with tears in your eyes. I miss these things. They gave, they gave um, like fuel to a fire in me. They kept me going and every week was like a recharge. And I, um, like a lot of us, I really miss it. Um, a verse that's come to mean a great deal to me during this time is 
uh, Psalm 42, four to five, uh, where David is, he's, he's alone, he's lamenting, he misses worship, he misses, he misses his people. And he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival, and then he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. I shall again praise him, my help and my God. I have felt at times during this season like I was just trying to survive, like many of us. And I feel led by the Spirit. In fact, the leadership of Trinity feels led by the Spirit in this season um, to sort of declare we, we believe that the time for survival is over, is ended, and not because we're going to return to normal. We don't even know what normal means anymore. No one even understands what normal is anymore. Masks may be a permanent part of our landscape, or at least a very long-standing part of our landscape. Gatherings of hundreds of people in tight spaces may be several months, if not years, away from where we are right now. We just have to accept this. This is the, this is the age that we're living in now. This is what normal is. And what is required of each of us in this moment there is to, is to cease to ask, how do I just survive this moment? And instead begin to ask, how could I thrive in this moment? How could I transition in my mind and heart where I cease from just trying to endure this for however long it endures, and it could be a long, long, long time still? How do I become a person who begins to live intentionally, willfully, fully, and wisely? So there's this story from Jeremiah that I love. Um, it's, it's, it's great. So in Jeremiah, the, the backstory of Jeremiah is that they have been exiled from Jerusalem, from their land, from the promised land to Babylon. And Babylonians, what they would do when they would conquer a people, they would take them back to their homeland and they would seek to assimilate them because assimilating them into Babylonian culture was the best way to subdue and to keep further revolts and riots from the, in the future from happening. You bring them back, you give them, you give them jobs, they have places to live, it's not that uncomfortable. It turns out Babylon's kind of nice. It's a lot better than living in a war-torn, wrecked land. And so now they begin to assimilate into this. But the Jewish people resisted. They resisted because they said, no, we have a home that God has given us. Our God has, has covenanted a land to us and he has given it, he will give it to us again. And there were a number of people who were outspoken and saying, we just have to hold on a little bit longer. There was one prophet in particular, a man named Hananiah. Hananiah was a pseudo prophet, but Hananiah's message to the people of Israel was like, just hold on a little longer. It won't be long at all. I've heard from the Lord and it's it's just a matter of days now until we go back to our homes, to our farms, to the places that we are familiar with. We just got to hold on a little bit longer. And then there's like this in Jeremiah 27, 28, there's this like celebrity death match between Jeremiah and Hananiah, this great throwdown between these two prophets. And Jeremiah essentially says in front of everyone, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But you're not you're not right, and I'm going to prove it to you. And actually, he, um, it, the Lord proves it to it because Hananiah dies in Jeremiah 28. And then in Jeremiah 29, uh, it says this, Here is a letter to the exiled people from the Lord. This is what the Lord says to you who are in exile right now. And it's not, hold on for just a couple more days. It's almost over. Just, don't, just you know, keep your suitcases packed. It's not what he says. He says instead, build houses and live in them plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. 
do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city. Seek the welfare of Babylon, where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So the Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah, rather than keeping everything packed in the suitcase and just holding your breath and it's almost over and don't worry, and <laughs> he's like, invest in some good masks. It's gonna be a while. Like plan to make yourself comfortable in this new space. This is what life is like now. And it is not meant to be a life of mere endurance, a life of mere survival, because just a couple verses later, it says, at the end of the time of Babylon, which he says, at the end of your time, which is 70 years, which I don't think it's gonna be 70 years for us, but the end of your time for 70 years, you will return. And then those very famous words, which I'm sure you're familiar with, where he says, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and to give you a future. This is what I'm going to do. Even in this moment right now, I know how to prosper you but plant gardens, build houses, make yourself comfortable. This is your new normal. And so today I wanna to be really clear with you as we wrap up Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and we pivot into what the fall is gonna mean for us. And we're gonna talk more at length of this at our members meeting and in the coming weeks, we'll unpack this further and further. I just wanna to say to you, this is what we are calling you to at Trinity this fall. We're going, to, we're going to seek to build new trellises around which to construct and build and grow our life with one another. And they're gonna be different because we are no longer the church gathered in that room anymore. We are no longer the church gathered around this coffee bar, drinking coffee and toasting bagels, filling these classrooms with kids and teachers. It's gonna be a long time before that happens. We are the church scattered now all over East Atlanta. So how do we construct a trellis in which we can not just survive but thrive? how we can not just sort of lay on the ground limply and hope that one day we get picked up again, but begin today to grow and thrive. I'm gonna tell you two things that we will unpack further in the coming weeks. I'm calling you today to what we're calling a corporate rule of life, which is the something that we're all gonna do together and then a more personal rule of life. So I'm just gonna go through these pretty quickly with the time that remains. A corporate rule of life. The first thing that I'm asking you to do today, to choose to be intentional about, if you haven't already done this, is to be intentional in growing your friendship with Jesus. A lot of us have depended deeply on what happens in that room over there to grow our friendship with Jesus. And that's not there anymore. And I know that as much as we love this new setup, this is not as inspiring. This is not, this is not lifting the weight that that did. You're gonna have to choose to find a rhythm in which to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And that's gonna involve daily practices. It's gonna mean choosing to read the Bible. It's gonna mean choosing to pray even awkwardly. If you don't know how to do that, come on Tuesday and Thursday morning to our prayer meetings. I'll be there, we'll learn to pray together. Like it's gonna mean us choosing to engage in Sabbath rhythm and practice because these are the things that God has given to his people for centuries now to live into, to grow a relationship, a robust relationship with God. That's the first thing, grow my relationship, my friendship with Jesus. The second thing, participate in Sunday worship. I know that if you're watching this right now, you probably are participating in Sunday worship, but I also know that over the last several months, a number of people have stopped and, and for good reason. We understand we're exhausted, we're tired of screens. It's not inspiring, it's awkward. Or maybe it's just on in the background right now while you're making eggs. And I understand because that's actually probably what a lot of you are doing right now. We need, to, we need to return to a weekly rhythm of worship. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say to you, I. I, I think you need to find some people to do that with because we are more likely to do this if we have the accountability of others. 
Um, it's way easy to talk myself out of this if it's just me or just me and, and whatever people I live with. Find some other people, people from a neighborhood group, someone that you've connected with. If you don't know, then who, like, email me. We'll, we'll find people. Like, we need to do worship with one another. Not huge gatherings, small gatherings. But find some people to do this with and then hop in your cars at 11 o'clock and drive here to these doors and take communion here. We'd love to, to spend that time with you every week, giving communion and praying with you. So second thing, get, pick up a Sunday rhythm. Third thing, engage in the discipleship, weekly discipleship practices. We're going to begin uh, in August, every week, sending out weekly practices for everything from our little kids to our teens to our adults. They're all going to be given things to do that week, simple, tangible things, kids and parents, adults without kids, teenagers, how can I be taking small steps in the direction of Jesus every week? Not hard, unattainable things, not read big, big theology books, not, you know, serve for 15 hours this week somewhere, but just what's a small thing that I can begin to put into my rhythm and practice. And just, we're going to be doing that. We're going to be doing that as a staff, as leadership. And I would encourage you to do those as well. They will be going out every week beginning in August. And then finally, fourthly, commit to a community. We have to be doing this with one another. We, we were so like, doing, we were, we were doing community so good. And then COVID destroyed everything. And, and we had done this huge roll up. We were doing roll out. We were doing neighborhood groups. So many of you had signed up and there was so much energy. And then all of a sudden it just went away. And we tried for a bit and a bunch of you tried to do Zoom. And it just turns out that Zoom meetings with 20 people is just, it's frustrating and it's, it's not life-giving and it's hard. Find some people that you can gather in a backyard with and talk about the sermon and have a drink, and grow in your relationship with Jesus with one another. Now, how to do that? Um, there is no one-size-fits-all thing for that. We're doing a ton of work right now. There's a ton of um, variables that make this really hard. I mean, kids, and it's harder to find babysitters than ever before, not to mention the varying level of comfort levels just of those of you watching this right now about whether or not you'd want to be in the presence of another person who you don't live with. So it, there's a lot of factors, and there's some people for whom this will be seem impossible, and maybe it is impossible, but find a community, commit to a community. So these are the four things. This is our corporate rule of life. Grow my friendship with Jesus. Find a Sunday rhythm that involves coming to take communion. Engage in the weekly discipleship act, uh, act, activities, practices, sorry. And then fourthly, um, commit to a community. That's the corporate thing. We're all going to do that. We're going to try to handhold everyone into that because we know that that can feel awkward to some of us. All right, now, Second thing, personal rule of life. This is where you get to choose what makes sense for you because it's going to be different for all of us. And there are three things. Make sure you're taking care of your body. Make sure you're, you're building leisure and recreation into your life. And make sure you still have a time and a place in which you're giving or serving people. Could be your neighbors. Could be friends. I talked to our staff this week and just asked them some of the things that they're doing. A number of them have taken up walking. Jenny's training for a half marathon. They're listening to podcasts while they do dishes. They're finding ways to read books, to build recreation and leisure into their life. Being intentional about supporting local businesses. Annie said that she's been sending small gifts of money to people for coffee and meals to, for friends just for fun. Find ways to be outside yourself. It's so easy to be so focused on ourselves in this. So what that's going to mean for you is going to be up to you. But how am I taking care of my body? How am I resting and experiencing leisure? And finally, how... Um, how am I giving and serving others? This is going to be different for all of us. Now, why am I asking you to do this? And why am I trying to be so specific about this? Um, uh, because, because this is actually what Christians do. 
the history of the church is a, is a, is a history of growing in the midst of discomfort. So many of us are so, um, our lives are so tailored and curated around keeping ourselves from discomfort that this season has just knocked the wind out of us entirely. We don't know how to be disciplined in a moment like this. We have to learn how to be disciplined in a moment like this. This is the gift the church gives to the world. The world is coming unraveled around us. We all see it. The church has always been called to be the ones who do not who do not give in to the unraveling, but instead choose to reweave the shalom that God intends. What the church, what the Bible calls people who are repairers of the breach. When the wall crumbles down and the things that have kind of held society together begin to collapse, what the church does is step into that moment and repair the breach. And the way that you and I do that is first and foremost, we have to have some structures, some rhythm, some way in which we are not merely surviving along with the rest of everyone else, but we are finding ways to thrive. And God is able to give you and me through the Holy Spirit everything we need to, to thrive in this moment. This is the, th- you, didn't, you didn't need that. It's good, we want that, we'll have it again. You don't need to be in that room to have a vibrant life with God that is energizing your love for people and growing you deeper in obedience. You don't need that. Because you have the Holy Spirit, we have the, gather, the church scattered and we will continue to do this with one another and when we come back to that, we will experience the gift that it is. Jesus Christ is a person who's, who lived a balanced life, not because he, not because he was uh, lazy. He had l- leisure and rest and work and all these things functioned to ground him in something that was large enough for him to continue to go in the midst of endlessly uncomfortable, painful circumstances. And I'm calling you in this moment to decide by the power of the Holy Spirit to follow him in that. And, and also to just say, like, God has nothing but grace for us in this moment. And grace is mercy. Like, we're not going to do this perfectly. I'm not going to do this perfectly. I've been trying to do the whole 30 for like 30, uh, 20 days now. And I've basically done like the 90% 12, like instead of the whole 30. Like, I, I, we're not going to do this perfectly, okay? And there's mercy for you. But grace is not only mercy. Grace is also power. It's the power to push in and to find new muscles in yourself because God has called you and me to more, to be people who are in the midst of exile and yet choose to live and to thrive in ways that will be a blessing, not just to you, but to the city, to the world. And so let's pray and pray for the grace to follow Jesus um, in this moment. God, we thank you that we are not, as, as Paul said, we are not building on a foundation other than the foundation which has already been laid, which is Christ Jesus. Like all we're doing is, is recognizing the foundation of love that's already there in Jesus and then just seeking to align our efforts with your spirit who is for us. David said, this one thing I know, that God is for me my God in whose word I praise, my Lord in whose word I praise, my God I trust. So I shall not be ashamed. I shall not be afraid. Because I know that God is for me. And so Lord, if you are for us in this, then we just seek to get into the stream of your grace, to experience your power, Lord. We miss, we miss corporate worship. We miss so many things, Lord, about our old life. 
the Lord restore to us the joy of our salvation. As David says in Psalm 51, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. We pray, Father, that you would give us a vision in this moment that we would step towards you and we would feel you step towards us. Amen.